is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. So in my thinking and planning for this morning, having known for some time that I was down to do this particular Sunday morning, um, initially I thought, actually, I'll and uh, we'll just worship and see what God wants to do. And I thought, oh, I don't know if I want to preach on this Sunday or not. And I thought, no, let's just you know, pray and see what God would have for us this morning. So... I had some time uh, this week, just gone, and uh, was praying about this morning specifically, and uh, thinking, Lord, do I say anything, or do we just worship, or do we do communion, or do we do something else? What is it that you have for us this morning? And um, I felt the Lord lead me to John chapter 15, and uh, I felt God highlight some things from this particular passage. Interestingly, it's a, a passage that I've had in the back of my mind for some time now, and it's been on my, I'd like to preach on that at some point, list. And so I'm, I've known about the passage, and I've given it some thought previously, and, uh, but there never seemed to be the right occasion. I thought, well, that's okay, just, just put it to bed and it'll come back at some point, I'm sure. But as I was praying this week, really felt that God led me back to, to John 15. And uh, I felt it was what he wanted to say to us this morning as we begin an, a new year. Uh, and so this is not a, a, a full, you know, 40 minutes. Uh, I wanted us to uh, share communion together as well, and we'll be doing that uh, after I speak. So it's not a particularly long message, I don't think, although you never know. Once I get going, it could be. We shall see. Uh, but really, it's what I felt... God wanted to speak to us about this morning. Is that okay? So let, let's read it together. John chapter 15. If you've got a Bible with you, you might like to follow along. We'll start at verse 1. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burnt. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. 
You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Let's pray. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we pray now that you would speak to us from this passage, that God, as we read it together, that it would come alive in our hearts and Holy Spirit, you would speak to us and apply it to us, please. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this is a passage, as I said, I've been thinking about on and off for quite a little while now. And looking back in my notes, I discovered that I preached on this passage way back in the midst of time in 2007. Some of you may have even been around in 2007. You can look back at your notebooks and see if you remember it, maybe. What I didn't want to do is just have a, a rehash of, of that message at all. And uh, to be honest, I felt that the focus of what God had been speaking to me about lately was quite different. Back then when I preached it, I think my focus was on bearing fruit. Now, bearing fruit is a good thing. It's what the Lord has for us to do. It's why a vine exists, isn't it? To bear fruit. And that's how we get wine. So that is a very good thing. I'm very happy about that. We need to understand, as as Jesus is saying there, that he chose us and he chose us to be fruitful. He intends for us to be fruitful, to bear fruit for his glory. And he has chosen you for fruitfulness. In fact, he has appointed you for fruitfulness. That's what it says. And that's good news, isn't it? God wants your life to be fruitful, to bless others, to benefit others, to extend his kingdom, to demonstrate his love. You and I have one opportunity at life. And this is it. One opportunity to bear fruit. One opportunity to be faithful to God's call upon us. One opportunity to extend his kingdom, to demonstrate his love. As a lecturer at a seminar I was at years ago said, guys, this ain't the rehearsal, this is the gig. And it's right. We get one opportunity to live life for his glory. And the good thing is that Jesus says that he has appointed us for fruitfulness. He designed us for it, created us for it. That is God's purpose for you. And Jesus describes his father as the gardener, one who tends and cares for the plants, the vines. Now some of you are good gardeners. Some of us are not so good gardeners. But a good gardener knows how to tend and care for their plants, knows what needs to be done. A good gardener does more than just water the plants. A good gardener knows where to cut 
and to prune. Cutting back and pruning are what a good gardener does. And that's just what your heavenly father does as well to you. He prunes us, isn't he? But do you notice that when a gardener does that to a plant, it's always for one reason. It's to encourage more fruit. The plant is cut back and pruned in order that it might be become more fruitful. There might be more fruit on it. There's a warning here as well, isn't there? Any branch that doesn't bear fruit at all, he cuts it off. It has no place in the vine. But the one that does bear fruit, he prunes it in order to make it. So how does the Father do that? Well, God prunes us in a variety of ways. But probably the most common is trials and hard circumstances. Let me ask you a question. Who likes trials and hard circumstances? Anybody? We don't like it, but we like the result. We like the idea of more fruit. We like the idea of increased blessing, increased effectiveness, increased fruitfulness. But we don't tend to like the process. Listen to what James says, James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Maybe you're like a sort of person that likes the fridge magnet verses. Do you know the sort of things I mean? You know, you get a nice picture, nice verse, and it's made into a magnet you can stick on a fridge or on a board or something like that. I'm not sure I've seen that verse as a fridge magnet. Have you? Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. But you know what, friends? It's a good verse to remind ourselves of. Because trials will come. Difficult circumstances will happen. Consider it pure joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And James goes on in verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test... He will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Crown of life sounds good, don't you think? Yeah, want one of those? Well, sign up for that, please. Put me down for a crown of life. That sounds great. How do I get it? Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he'll receive the crown of life that God has promised. So friends, these tests may not be nice. They may be unpleasant. But God allows things in our life in order to grow us, to prune us, to do his work in us, in order that we might become more fruitful, in order that we may receive 
the crown of life that he's promised. I could say lots more about the subject of bearing fruit, but that wasn't the focus that I felt God speak to me about this week. Although it's a part of the passage, it's important that we there uh, because God is speaking to us from it. What I felt particularly God speak about this week is the subject of abiding. Abiding. John 15, verse 4. This is the ESV version. It says this, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. If you've got the NIV, like I read from a moment ago, it uses the word remain. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. The branch only bears fruits because it abides or remains in the vine. A branch on its own is useless, isn't it? It's not connected to anything. It's not going to bear any fruits. No grapes, no wine is coming as a result of that branch, which is disconnected. In order for there to be fruit, in order for you to eventually get wine from the vine, it has to abide, it has to remain. It has to be part of the vine. It can't be isolated, disconnected, and on its own. It has to abide. You see, just being around Jesus isn't enough. Just some intermittent contact with church isn't enough. You need to be connected to the vine. You need to be connected, grafted into Jesus himself. You need to abide. The contrast, I guess, is quite stark, isn't it? The contrast is this. It's either remain in the vine and bear fruit, which God has designed you for and appointed you for, or die. There doesn't appear to be any middle ground, is there? We're not sort of given a third option, somewhere in the middle, halfway house in between. It's either one or the other. It's either remain in the vine and, and bear fruits or die. That's what the options are for the vine and the grapes. And friends, that's what the options are really for us as well. In our spiritual life with Jesus, they are the two options. Remain in him and bear fruit or spiritually die. You see, a healthy branch will produce fruit. That's its purpose. That's what it's created to do. But it has to be vine in order to do it. It cannot produce fruit other than being part of the vine. And the same is true for us as Christians. We cannot produce fruit on our own. We have to be connected to Jesus. We have to remain in him.
Jesus says it again in verse 9. He says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. You might argue that Jesus is repeating himself here. Saying, They're just saying it again, Lord. That's exactly what he's doing. He's repeating it for a purpose. Friends, this is important. This is important. Remain in Jesus. That's the key. Remain in him. Abide in him. Whichever word you use. You might think that if you're a Christian here this morning, you might think, well, I'll always remain in his love, won't I? You know, why, would, why are you going on about this so much, Graham? Well, what's the point here? Why, why are you making such a big deal of it? Well, I know that's your intention. But how many of us here this morning can look back at our lives and know people who at one time are walking faithfully with the Lord but have since walked away from him and aren't doing so anymore? Friends, that list is too long. That list is too painful. I'm going to say it again. Remain in him. Personally, I've seen too many of my friends who at one time were passionately on fire for Jesus. Now nowhere spiritually. And sometimes it's an intentional walking away. But very often, and I would say most often, it just happened over a period of time. They got sort of disconnected. Other things happened. Other things got into life. And over a period of time, they just sort of drifted away. Didn't set out on that path. And if you'd sat them down at one point when they were on fire for the Lord and said, are you going to remain in Jesus? Of course they would have said. Of course. But things happened and life happened and then they weren't really anywhere spiritually. People that you think, oh, they'll always be going for God. End up falling away. I have to say, this is a painful thing to preach on. Because as I'm preaching on this, I've got people come to mind. I can see people in my mind's eye. Friends of mine that I've known, that I know and love. One point, you know, passionately on fire for Jesus, leading worship in front of hundreds of people, thinking, oh, what a wonderful relationship with God they've got. I met now. I think, where are they? Where are they? Friends, don't let yourself be added to that list. Don't become a spiritual casualty. Remain in Jesus. Abide in him. Abide. My plea to you at the beginning of 2019 is this. Abide. Remain in him. You have to do it. You have to do it. So how do you do it then? In the few moments we've got left, how do you do it? Part of it is to do with obedience Verse 10 makes it clear. Jesus says we need to obey God's commands. He says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. 
So that part of it is to do with obedience there. Don't think you can follow Jesus, yet ignore what he says. You're going to follow him, you need to be obedient to him. But if you honestly want to follow Jesus, then you will love to do what he says. Because he's done that work in your heart. It's not about ticking boxes and obeying rules. It's about, hey, he's done so much for me. Of course I want to be obedient to him and follow his way because I know his ways for the best. But we need to get serious about it because the risks are too great. The alternative is too scary. I think I've mentioned before, I remember reading a book some years ago by an American pastor who said that he had a Bible in which, when he went to a Bible college, wrote the names of the 24 people in his class when he graduated. And these were on fire, young, radical Christian leaders, sold out for God, passionate for him, determined to live their lives to the glory of their Heavenly Father. And he writes, sadly, that each year he'd cross out another name, someone who'd gone away from God or decided not to follow Jesus anymore, had a moral failure maybe, or something had happened. At age 53, he looked back and across the list where he had initially written 24 names, he found only three remaining who were following Jesus. You see, in the Christian life, it's not how you start that matters, it's how you finish. So this morning, no matter what place you might be in, if you're thinking, but I'm in such a rubbish place, how can I start following Jesus from here? Listen, you can. It's not how you start that matters, it's how you finish. You can start from any place. Every time I read that, I find it a scary warning. What's the cause? It's, it's not remaining in Jesus. Really? Letting your heart grow cold towards him. Becoming distant. Maybe some disobedience, refusal to submit your life to him totally. You see, remaining or abiding in Jesus is not some mystical inner state. It's not some sort of Eastern meditation that gets you there. It's not about that. It's about being obedient to Jesus, being passionately desiring to follow him and living close to him, remaining in him. So, you know, I'm not a great one for New Year's resolutions because if I write them down on the 1st of January, probably by the 3rd, they've started, started to struggle with them. But there is one thing I want to do this year and that's Abide. That's remain in him above everything else. Because everything else follows. Get this one right, everything else follows. Keep your spiritual life alive and vibrant. So how do you do that? Not just other people. How do you do that for you, for your spiritual life? Things like reading God's words, prayer, worship fellowship with other believers are all part of it. Staying close to Jesus every day. So how are you doing? How are you doing at the beginning of 2019? Where are you at? If we had a big chart here and a big graph, 
Where would you mark yourself? Because remember, it's not how you start that matters. It's how you finish. How's your relationship with God? How's your inner life with Him? Your walk with Him? Are you staying close? Are you remaining? Are you abiding? I know all of us want to bear fruit for the Lord, wouldn't we? want our lives to count for something, to glorify Him, to be effective in His kingdom, be a blessing to others. That only comes out of abiding. Get this one right, and everything else follows. I'm not saying everything else is easy, but everything else follows. So maybe the question we should ask ourselves and maybe we should ask one another throughout the year is, are you abiding? How's that going? How's your walk with God? It's a good question to ask your friends. I've got some friends that uh, I meet with once or twice a term. We spend some time together praying for another and uh, just challenging one another on these sort of things. And that's good. We need one another to ask us those sort of questions. Not to beat us over the head about it, but to encourage us on the journey. My suggestion to you is you find a couple of friends who can ask you those questions, and you can ask them back. In order that this year might be a year of abiding, And as you abide, you'll bear fruit. So I'd like us to share communion together as we finish our time now. And as we do that, for it to be an expression of our love for the Lord. Our desire to walk with Him in the year ahead. And if you know and love the Lord this morning, you're very welcome to share communion with us, perhaps if the band could come back up, please, Caroline. I'd love us to, to worship as we do this. But as we share communion together, as we will do so in a moment, my suggestion, friends, is that as we do it, we're saying to the Lord, we're looking back and saying, Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done. We're freshly committing our life to him for the year ahead, saying, Lord, as I eat this bread and drink this wine, I'm committing myself to you for the year ahead. I love that for us to be our prayer this morning. So Paul says this to the church in Corinth. It's a passage that many of you would know well. He says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread... And drink this cup. 
you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's stand together. If you're able to, I'm going to pray. And those who I've asked to help serve communion, if you could come forward now, please. And Caroline's going to lead us in a song in a moment. And as we sing, as we worship, I'd like to invite you to come forward and receive bread and wine. There's wine or juice. Uh, If you've got uh, children with you this morning, they are welcome to have this as well. That's up to you as a parent or guardian. Leave that at your discretion. As I say, if you know and love the Lord, you're very welcome to share this with us. So let's give thanks. Lord God, we want to give thanks this morning for this bread. Thank you for what it symbolizes, Lord Jesus, in your broken body. Thank you for your body that was broken for us on the cross. We thank you for what this reminds us of. And Lord, as we take this wine, again, we thank you for what it reminds us of in the shedding of your blood. And we thank you that your blood cleanses, forgives, sets free. And so now as we take this bread and wine, we pray that you'd remind us of all that you've done for us. And that as we take it, we'd commit ourselves to you afresh for the year ahead. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.